Greetings from the Long Island Sound podcast. Welcome to the show. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. And call our listener line and leave a message for our guests. Dial 631-800-3579. All right, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Long Island Sound Podcast, where we explore the muse and the music from the North Shore to the South Shore, from New York City to the Hamptons, navigating the wellspring of original music from singer-songwriters and musicians from Long Island, New York. Hi, I'm Steve Yusko from GigDestiny.com. Stay tuned as we explore the Long Island Sound. I was captured by Dave Christian's performance at Katie's of Smithtown, during a WUSB radio station anniversary party. In this episode, we dive into Dave's journey, which spans decades. A chance meeting with a famous Long Island rocker in a local gym helped propel Dave's early career. You'll be intrigued by Dave's vocals and lyrical muse. Let's listen to his song, More Than I Need. Coming back through lost and found Trying not to make a sound Not wanting to disturb the ground we bury Here we find the path that lasted Pictures of the task that casted Photo journals bind these memories Now I have Today, I believe Who are you to come back here And speak to me of all you fear When everything you've done is turned to dust I know it's true that nothing new Can come to show itself to you So help to jar my memory if you trust Letters from a past you carry Speak to me in terms I've nearly Forgotten all the cause and tragedy Now I have more than I need So I will empty all my pockets And do my one good deed for today Yes. Yeah. 
A few weeks back, I had the opportunity to meet our guest, Dave Christian, who is quite the singer-songwriter, who, like many of my guests, are hard to pin down to just one category. So in today's episode, I invite you on a journey of discovery. On the night I saw him perform, I was impressed by his vocal acumen and astounded by his guitar technique as he moved easily from acoustic to electric. His music has a foundation of funk a rhythm of blues, and a dose of Americana. Join me on this journey as I say, welcome to the Long Island Sound Podcast, Dave. Good to have you. How are you doing, Steve? It's nice to be I'm here. I'm doing great. And and let me tell you, so I to fill in the rest of the story, I got to see Dave at a WUSB, um, kind of like a, their 45th anniversary party at, at Katie's in Smithtown. First time I went there, I'm from Babylon, so I'm on the South Shore guy. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, the 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 acts that were there, it was it was a great night. Uh, you know, I was there with Rory Kelly. I, was, I got fortunate to sit next to her, and then you came up, and I'm like, man, this guy's really good. I really got to. I, I hope he agrees to be on the program. So I want to thank you for uh, taking the leap into into the podcast. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, I appreciate being uh, being on here with you. Yeah. So we were chatting uh, before we jumped into the episode that um, we're of like mind, where we're trying to um, expose the singer-songwriters and original music uh, here on Long Island. So it's, it's nice that we have that, that same motivation in what we're doing. But let's, let's roll the pages back and, and just tell me, how did you, at what point in your life did you pick up an instrument and say, hey, this is something I could do? Had you, did you stumble upon it, musical family? Give me some background, Dave. Mm. Um, well, it's surprising to me that there's, there's like no music in my family whatsoever. My dad didn't play mm. an instrument. Um, my mother didn't play an instrument, but I did, um, get exposure at a younger age, um, you know, in my preteens, mm-hmm. um, through my mother, she, she used to play the, uh, AM radio, seventies AM radio in the kitchen okay. when I was getting ready for Co- school. Cousin Brucey and, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Sure. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it was great stuff, and uh, uh, that was my exposure to it. And you know, I had I had the old little cassette deck, you know, the the one that I guess everybody had with the little record button on it, and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Nazareth. I was exposed to Nazareth when I was a kid. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel, and okay. I was blown away. I don't know why or how, by by the vocals. And by the time I was eight, I I think it was eight where I made this decision that I wanted to do this. I wanted wow. to sing, you know, in my life. That's what I wanted to do with my life. And I didn't know mm-hmm. what it meant or what it entailed or anything, but that's, that was, you know, I was inspired at that point. Wow. So it's very similar to me. You know, my father used to joke that he, you know, he could play the radio. That was about all that he could play. 
Yeah. But but my family had an appreciation of music, so there was music playing in the house and and that sort of thing. So so now you're you're leaning towards vocals. Did you start recording yourself? I mean, were you in any choral groups, or where did where did it kind of progress from that for you? And when did you pick up an instrument? Um, I you know I had and at that point I had no interest in playing guitar or anything. My mother, mm. um, <laughs> mother was a big influence in terms of my music more so than I guess everybody else except for my grandmother. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, at that point I had no interest. But she, being from the Philippines, she okay. said to me at uh, I think it was around twelve years old. She says. She gets, she got me a guitar and she got me guitar lessons and says, you have to learn to play guitar because all the men in the Philippines know how to play guitar and okay. they, they know how to play guitar so that they can meet girls. And that was, that was yeah, thing. like they, they would go out and serenade, I guess, you know, culturally, culturally, that's, that's, that was the thing. Um, anyway, she got me guitar lessons and I, I was there for about three weeks and I hated it. So sure. I, um, I stopped, I stopped playing for a year. And then I guess when I was 12 or 13, I decided I was going to pick the guitar up again and just sort of teach myself. Well, kind of, kind of co- <laughs> coincides with adolescence and the hormones. So probably right. the meet girls part may have been a uh, <laughs> driver yeah. influence. Yeah. yeah. Driver maybe for you. Right. So, so you, yeah. you continued from there, I guess, right? Acoustic guitar, I would assume, right? I did. I started playing, uh, it just, you know, I just started playing, uh, what I had learned a year ago with a uh, year prior with, uh, with the lessons and, um, um, thinking I, I don't, I don't actually know exactly where I went after that musically. I mean, I was, you know, I got, I got into the piano my grandmother bought me a piano when I was about 15. So I started writing a lot on the piano and writing mm-hmm. on guitar. And, uh, I found it sometimes easier to, to write my own songs and to learn other people's songs. Um, so I ended up, you know, almost as soon as I picked the guitar up, starting to write. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that's interesting. Cause you know, there's one thing to woodshed your instrument and, and your vocals, you mm-hmm. know, that's, that, that's another instrument to then move to that point, which I find very interesting of writing my own songs or, or saying to yourself, Hey, I can do that. You know, and whether it's an easier road because you can express yourself, um, how you kind of jump into that. So you're in adolescence and you're already writing songs, right? Do you still have those songs that you wrote earlier in, in your mm. life, or they're I, in a, a shoebox somewhere? Some of them. You know, I got a, I got a, I got a crate full of cassettes. I have, I got a bin full of other cassettes, and you know, it, I, I actually went back through it and dug some stuff out. But I mean, most of it's sort of gone into the past but i do have i do have a bunch of stuff that's still i can actually pop it up right now and i can't play it but listen to it <laughs> oh that's cool that's neat yeah. maybe we'll maybe yeah. we'll throw that in at one one point <laughs> of uh of the episode yeah. so when so now as you progress from an early age where singer song becoming a singer songwriter was kind of parallel to you learning your instrument <laughs> or instruments right um how does it strike how does it strike you today? How does the music, what's your approach? I guess, what's your process or is there a process or how do you approach songwriting now? Um, yeah. Uh, see, that's, I know that's it. That, that's yeah, a tough it's question a huge, maybe, it's right? A huge, huge question. Cause it's like, and I, I've actually written a bunch of stuff on this where it's, it's, a, it's, 
it's almost the hardest question to answer as a songwriter because because um because it, it like okay so so the process uh, the practical process for me is is i get spontaneously inspired when i'm playing something especially if i'm playing like a new instrument or mm -hmm. or a different sound or something like that it'll 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 start pulling me somewhere and then there'll be a melody in my head it's like okay. some sometimes what'll happen is um there'll be a melody with with some sounds attached to it and like i'll start mumbling something you know and then okay. they'll form into words and like somewhere in there there's a thought you know and then uh and then it'll form itself into a line that's got a hook you know so it sort of develops organically from itself uh, okay. i mean that that's one start of an approach the other start is is uh so most of the time it's really passive and it like i i can't sit down and say i'm gonna write a song Usually right, okay. it comes to me and says, you're going to write me now. Okay. You know, it's right. seriously. And, and then yeah. I'll, you know, and then I'll, I'll literally have to jump on it and pay attention until, until the song is done with me and, and we're That's done with each other and it's done, you know? So, so I, I, you know, it's funny cause I was, I took a couple of days off last week and I brought my guitar with me and, uh, I hadn't picked it up in a while. <laughs> it's like that initial guilt of like, I should be doing this more. You know, my fingers hurt because they yeah. haven't built the calluses back up. And I just hit on on a few notes. So I was going back and forth between a few frets. My wife happened to be sitting there and she goes, hey, that sounds pretty nice. Mm -hmm. How do you remember that? Uh, I said, well, usually I can record it on my phone to mm -hmm. remember it. Or maybe yeah. I'll write, okay, I'm here, there. I don't even know what notes I'm playing. It just sounded cool. But I'm one of those people that that's going to go into the ether unless I act on it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what I think with the singer-songwriters that I've talked to is the difference between you and I. Well, one, you have a lot of a talent, talent, and I don't. Uh, the other thing is that you act on on your inspiration till it's done with you. I, I I think that's an interesting way that you look at it. You know, it's not done with me till till it it all comes out. You know. Yeah, and like you said, it it like goes off into the. It'll go. It'll literally go off into ether, like. Like this, the slightest little nuance of a melody or rhythm in the melody in what's coming out, you know, you think you have it in your brain, and then if you if you don't put it on tape or if you don't pay attention to it at the time that it's happening, it'll be gone, you know, because I think it's attached um, uh, integrally to the emotion that you're feeling at that given moment, and once that moment is gone, your attachment or your connection to that uh, interpretation of it goes with it you know and you can't get me, it back you know the, 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 i got a question for you it's a left field question mm -hmm. have you performed and then gone off on a lead or a jam right with some phrasing and then come back to it after hearing it or i don't know i don't even know if you watch yourself after it's recorded maybe you're recorded mm -hmm. uh you know someone's recording video have you ever jammed out and then you know you stop maybe you stumble upon it like Oh, yeah, that was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Do you ever revisit that, and does that become part of a, a, a song? Yeah, a song? absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, because there, like there, there's. Okay, this is there's a song. I, I just I I remember when I when I wrote the first line of this song. I was standing in the middle of a party before mm -hmm. we were supposed to play. I had my guitar, my acoustic guitar on me, and 
I just started like it just came out of my fingers, you know, <laughs> and 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 I just started playing this thing. It was really simple chords. It was like a um, D with you know, a D with a descending thing, but it had a you know a very specific melody about it. And I'm mm. like, oh my god, I have to remember that, you know. And that you know, it's almost like what you're talking about with jamming, but it also happens in that um, in that context too, where where you're you're jamming a lick and then it becomes part of the song. Absolutely. Yeah, so it, it's yeah. there's there's the jamming in performance and the <laughs> yeah. noodling when you're not performing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that you can kind of act on it. That's the, that's kind of neat. But that's the, that's I think the demarcation line of taking it and now letting letting it develop within you to to put it into some sort of framework. You but know, when that's you special. When, when you run into it though, do you, do you do you know? Like I I like when I came across the the line for celebration at that party. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. my God. I didn't know it was going to be a song, but I knew that this this was this is a really cool lick that I have to remember, you know. So when you when you come across those licks, do you feel that as well? Yeah, it's a couple of things affect me differently. One, it's like, all right, this is a cool groove uh, and it's <laughs> it's catchy. You know, to me, it's catchy. So I think that's mm -hmm. cool. But then when it comes to writing lyrics or poetry and more writing poetry for me or creative writing, Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe because I'm a 61 year old guy now, I get actually emotional if I hit a sh emotional thought in it. Where yes. it, it sounds stupid. <laughs> My no, daughter, it doesn't. It really doesn't. <laughs> she's like, Ted, you're getting choked up of something you wrote yourself. It's like, you know, is that like the least humble thing you could ever do? You know, but but I don't know if it is the spirit strikes you that you know raises the it just did on my uh, the hair on your arms type of thing. Maybe it'll maybe it'll strike somebody else, you know, if it if it gets developed, you know. So um, I have to. I, I'm going to make a comment on getting yeah. emotional when. Yeah. Th there's songs that you know. I mean, there's there's a bunch of stuff where where like you know I've written it. When I wrote it, I was just bawling, you know. And, <laughs> okay. And I and there's there's songs where I've written them years ago, and I'll I'll I can't perform them live because I can't get past a certain part in it without getting choked up interesting and yeah it's just and it's i don't you know i don't know it's these neural pathways that get you know that you can't you can't reroute you know they're they're just there and, they're and this is this is what triggers you know this is going to trigger that emotion you know and that's it <laughs> but that's that's i think that's where create creativity comes in and, and inspiration but let's do this dave let's just take a mm -hmm. quick break when we come back, I want to talk about the song more than I need that uh, our audience got to hear. Uh, and then I, I want to talk a little bit uh, about how you approach collaboration, whether it's in songwriting or performance, because it's uh, with everyone, it's oh so different. So hang with us, everybody. We'll be back with Dave Christian. It's a lot more music and a lot more things to come. Hi, Steve Yusko from Gig Destiny here. Well, as you're probably listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking about that musician who would make a fantastic guest here on the Long Island Sound. Well, we'd like to hear their story. We'd like to hear their music. So have them reach out to us at gigdestiny.com and we'll explore their craft. Now, back to our podcast. Hey, everybody. We're back with Dave Christian. And, and Dave, we heard the song More Than I Need. That was a lead in to give an introduction mm -hmm. of your music to people. Uh, we had a sidebar talking about this, and I was a little confused by the song, and I never like to ask what the song means. 
but maybe you can tell me a little bit about the dynamic between the two Daves in the song, just to give a little hint. So part of the concept that it was um, triggered on was, was one where um, I am running into my old lyrics or running across old pictures of, you know, uh, somebody who I used to be and somebody from the past who, who, who was, um, um, speaking to me now and, uh, and you know, we're, we're mm. two different people, but we, we've come to the same place together, you know, in, in, in some way. And, yeah, you know, yeah. and that's sort of, you know, on a larger, in a larger way, it, it reflects society as a whole, if you want to take it there. Right. I mean, if I if I wanted to talk to younger Steve, I'd probably slap him around a lot and, and tell my younger self to kind of snap out of certain <laughs> yeah. things, you know, with uh, with the experience that I have now. But now I have my wife to do that. So um, there you go. she tells me to snap out of it. <laughs> kind of, we've got a good yin and yang going. Uh, totally yeah. two different people. But it's it's what I like about the singer songwriter and what you can do is you can kind of pull out these nuggets of things that help us to reflect about where we are today. You know, even just the title, More Than I Need. What's interesting, the younger me was grasping at survival and things and 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 gaining and capitalism and all the, the kooky stuff that you think you don't have. And then as we become maybe reflective in our uh elder years, you know what? I do have more than I need. I have food on the table. I have a house over my head. I have people that love me. That's all I need, you know? And uh, it's good to reflect Absolutely. on that, you know? So you give us that. So now I'm going to switch gears here in that I assume that you're more of a soul practitioner when it comes to writing your songs, meaning you write the lyrics and, and the music. How, how do you approach um, hitting the studio once you have the song kind of formed? Slowly. <laughs> takes takes years. You know, like I want to get in <laughs> and record stuff right away. Um, what I found is that um, I find that I'm never happy with an end product. I'm a control freak in the studio, so it's hard. For, it's hard for me to okay. to, to hand it over to somebody else because it's like it's like you put so much time and effort and thought um, and money sometimes into into you know recording this thing that sure. should be you know this this is the final version it may not be the final version but it's the version of this song that's going to go out and you know be on permanent record so it may morph from there but you know i, I always mm. want to make make sure that that when i listen back to this recording that i made um i'm not going to cringe you know at certain parts or be distracted by something <laughs> okay so when i go in and i i you know i edit uh, it's like, it's like, you know, putting your face up against the glass and seeing every tiny little detail and then stepping back and then, you know, seeing it for the whole thing. And, and it's really tedious process for me because, because, um, I pull out all the, all the little things and, and put everything where I need it to be. It's, yeah. Mm hmm So you do it, do you, do you lay down your own tracks yes. in your, in your well, home studio? Um, with other musicians or you, you, you do different sometimes, parts yourself? Or sometimes. Like, what's you that know, process I, it, There's a couple of yeah. recording pro products, uh, pro projects worked on through the decades. Um, the, the latest one, More Than I Need, was done here in my home studio exclusively. So, you know, I had 
I had okay. uh, a ridiculous amount of control over over the outcomes, which you know is is good and bad because mm-hmm. you know sometimes it can make it sterile if you're if you're t- too much like that, and you know we try not to be sterile. Uh, and then there's the other um, uh, end of the spectrum where, you know, I, I recorded with a band called uh, Finally Balanced, and you know I just relinquished all control of everything, and you know and you know it. Hmm. Um, there's benefits to that because it goes places that it wouldn't otherwise have gone. So somewhere in the middle is is the ideal place to be. But um, yeah, right. Right. The happy <laughs> so, place, yeah. so I mean, ideally, what what I'd like to do is is be able to record record with a band that I wouldn't um have to go back and you know change things so that it's not driving me insane. You know, you know, ten years down the road, where <laughs> okay, I go, like, I got oh, you. Man, I wish I changed that part. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like an engineer. At at one point, you got to go. This is the end mm-hmm. date. It's going to be finished. So it's going to be finished. You almost have to stop. Right. Stop engineering. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. at one point, right? You got you got to, or you you know, you'll 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 drive yourself nuts, and you'll have long fingernails, and you'll be you know. Catching butterflies you, in the closet. No, it or does. Something, it drives but, me insane. Yeah. It's a daunting. It's a daunting process. It really is. So, do you, for the layperson, do you now take what you've laid down and have somebody master it, or you're you're mastering it as well after you lay down? No, I haven't. I haven't gotten the mastering process down. I think that that takes a whole bunch of different equipment that I don't have access to and experience that i don't have access to yeah i hand it off and like yeah they, they take it and they you know boost it up and I, i've been working with a guy named roger lee and, and uh on, on the last couple of things and he does great yeah you know it's amazing is they have that ear mm-hmm. that they pick things out that you know at least as me as a novice goes in cold cal i didn't think about that even yeah. putting this podcast together uh, i went through a learning curve of several months to figure out how do i balance mm-hmm. myself and my guest you know, we're in two different rooms, that sort yeah. of thing. We're doing it virtually, and then finally, mm-hmm. I kind of, I kind of figured it out, but uh, it was a little bit of uh, yeah. hunt and peck for a little while, you know. So, um, but I've gotten some good mm. kudos, so I'll, I'll take it, you know. But you can get, you can get to that. I, I get to that point too, where it's like, you know, I can take out every um and artifact that somebody has, but if I do that, it's not going to be a natural it, conversation. Yeah. And it's going to mm-hmm. sound weird. Yeah, it's going to become it's going to become sterile, and people are going to go. Uh, yeah. It doesn't sound real, you know, uh, to us. You know, as we, as we we go through that, you know, mm-hmm. I'd like to jump into this. I'd like to talk about. We touched on this earlier about promoting singers, songwriters, and original mm-hmm. music here on Long Island. And you have a project you've done with Toby Tobias, who's by the way going to be. Uh, a, a future guest here in August. Uh, it'll be up there. Really great guy from South Africa. Great singer-songwriter. Tell, tell us about how that came about. Sure. It's the, um, the OMC uh, of Long Island. It's the OMC. Yep. O- o- uh, OMC? It's the, it's the Original okay. Music uh, Collective of Long Island. And uh, uh, it was okay. founded by myself, uh, Toby, and uh, Michelle, my girlfriend. And... Um, it's the three of us. We we organize shows. Uh, most of them have been uh, um, three band uh, showcases of original bands, and uh, you know we've we've been doing it at a couple okay. different clubs. We started back in 2020, and then COVID hit, so that you know just shut the whole process down. I think we did 
one or two official shows and we had like five of them, you know, lined up and we just had to cancel everything. And then, you know, we picked it right. back up earlier this year. We started off at 89 North um, with three band showcase. That was, uh, it was my band. It was Toby's band and it was uh, project vibe. Uh, it turned out to be a nice show. It was really good. And, okay. Um, you know, we've been trying to build momentum with it. And, uh, I mean, the purpose is to, uh, um, give platform to original bands in a way that will elevate the scene enough to, um, inspire club owners to put original bands in their clubs on the weekends and, you know, bring exposure to people who otherwise wouldn't have had it. Yeah, and you know what? You bring out a really good point because I know of, let's say, a handful of clubs around Long Island who are either have venue owners that are musicians themselves who open mm-hmm. the floor to original music. Then the other end of the spectrum, this is not a disparaging statement, but you have the mm-hmm. time of the tribute band, and many of these tribute bands are great, but they have original music, and they're kind of like sneaking in an original song here or there, but they're really not just going out and saying, yeah. we're doing our original stuff. Or finding the venues that'll do that. And, um, you know, there are small bars. I think the the approach of um, open mics and that sort of thing, or these showcases are great because you can you can prove to the venue owner, hey, this can be successful and you're sowing the seeds to build an audience to, to come to your venue, you know, if, if, you, if you jump in the pool and, and go with it. You know, same with the podcast here. It's, it's really... How, how can I give another platform of mm-hmm. music that I've heard, like yourself, right? I heard you mm-hmm. out of the blue at Katie's in Smithtown, who's a yeah. big promoter of original music, right? And I'm like, I wish my friends were with me there because I'm like, wow, this guy's really good. I'm not blowing smoke up your skirt. You were really good. I really enjoyed your stuff. I wouldn't ask you to be on the, the well, podcast if I didn't think so. And how do you, how do you expose that out? Because what's on the other side of the spectrum? The other side of the spectrum is I, I produce my music. I put it out in the ether on Spotify. If I don't get a million hits, I'm not earning three dollars. You know, whatever. I don't know what the 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 the, yeah. the, um, the math of Very it is, tiny, but it's really yeah. tiny. You know. So the only other way to to make it financially is to do festivals and to get that exposure to build a following. I mean, really, that's what it is, right? Yeah. You know? I mean, f- well, that, and I mean, for me personally, it's 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 having people hear my original music. You know. And, um, and I think, I, I mean, I believe that's the case with, with a lot of the original, uh, performers is, is that it's not even a matter of the money, although the money would be great because it would support the music. But I think it's a matter of really just being able to get your music heard, you know, put it, put it in front of people, you know, and that's, yeah. And like, you know, with the OMC, what we've been able to do, I think is, is, is like you were saying, like we're, we're, we're bringing, um, people from different avenues of the the music scene on the island and putting them in the same room together and going, Hey, have you heard these guys? Have you heard these guys? You know, like they, they haven't, you know, like yourself, you were exposed to, to things um, at that show that, you know, uh, wouldn't have otherwise been there for you, you know? Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's interesting. The, 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 the original singer songwriters on Long Island know a lot about each other. They don't always right. get the yeah, plagues. They're working too, yeah. to get gigs and what have you out there, you know, but they'll run in 
to each other. And that's where I get the, I call it the handoff, you know, Hey, you got to talk to brother Dave, you got to go to this guy. This guy has really great stuff. Okay. How do we expose that? I'd really, if you're open to it, you know, I'd like to do another episode where we kind of focus in on you and Toby and, and your approach. And now that things are cleared up, you know, as you, you hit more venues, I'd love to do just something on that. Cause it's something that we have in Absolutely. Uh, or like-minded about, you know, and, and kind of promote it. And, um, you know, kind of toss it out to the venues. Hey, we're going to talk about your venue. <laughs> you know, so you may want to spread the word that way and and get the exposure up. I want to talk before we get too deep into everything. Let's talk about mm-hmm. the song "Ordinary" and uh, just give me a little lead into that, and then we'll have our audience sure, uh, that, have a listen. That to song, it. I remember writing it in my backyard back in uh, actually it was in Bayshore. My daughter was, I think, um, around five, I guess. So anyway, yeah, I mean, it, that's sort okay. of, that was the inspiration. It was like my, it was at that point in my life, I was in, you know, I was a dad of my five-year-old daughter and I had a stepdaughter who was 15 and, you know, I had a dog and two cats. Mm. <laughs> like I wasn't doing a whole lot of music, but I was writing, you know, <laughs> that's, that's when I was writing uh, right. the music for the first. And, and that's, that's, you know, that whole scenario uh, um, inspired that song. Great. All right, everybody, let's have a listen to Ordinary. We'll be right back after the song. Check it out. Danny, don't you believe When they show you the signs is over No, never once could I leave I believe you're the best to come Change it be by surprise Cried a little but I survived it now Can I think back and laugh I don't know I hope they never ask for a perfect performance Unbroken silence We're doing the best that we can We have been ordinary There below all the fight Solid promise, some way rises. Carry all of us through. Nothing new, cause this is what we do. Daddy got you believe. They don't know, they never stop to look for a perfect performance. Unbroken silence. We're doing the best that we can We have been ordinary We are extraordinary
Hey, that was a really great song, Dave. I really appreciate you bringing it to the table. And before we get too deep, I want to just bring to the audience's attention, anybody that we mention, uh, Dave's links, where his music is, there'll be chapter marks. So if you want more information on anyone we talk about, like the project you're doing with Toby, that'd be great. You'll, you'll see it in the chapter right. marks. Right, so I should mention uh, also that Michelle Francis is a huge part of... Uh, of the OMC operation. I mean, you know, we all three work together, uh, on, on things. And, uh, she is the, you know, she's the primary, um, uh, photographer and videographer for what we do. And if you, you know, yeah, if you Great. go to, uh, our Facebook page, uh, which is our primary exposure, uh, point, it's, um, OMC mm-hmm. of Long Island. So Facebook, OMC okay. of Long Island, check that out. We have, bunch of stuff from you know the past uh three years of work and uh yeah i mean nice. like us and you know you'll you'll see our postings hey thank god we got that in because if this was published and we didn't mention her you'd be in deep <laughs> I would. shit that's I would all i'm saying because be. you know you know i know my wife occasionally listens to my podcast because i always talk about her and i'm kind of snide about this and that and i always can tell when she didn't listen because she never brings up like you know oh you had to say that about me they think i'm a bitch you know all this other stuff there you go (laughs) so we got michelle in there which which is great hey tell me this how did you cut your teeth what you know you weren't a solo act your whole life i mean you know what what do you tell me what you had in the past and where you're going in the future and what you're doing now sure i um well, I don't know how much we want to go back, but uh, in it's it's interesting though. Back in in high school, I was in a band called Revelation. It was really like my first real band. You know, we did all the, uh, you know, the variety shows and everything else, and um, we ended up. Where was where, where oh, was high Mes- school for you? Mesopico high Where'd school. Where'd you go? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Great. So, uh, right next to Massapequa High School was a bagel place, and next to that was a gym, and in the gym. Uh, D. Snyder used to work out, you know, so we'd see from Twisted Sister. Oh, yeah, so, so, you know, as little high school kids would see D. Snyder with the big hair coming out of the gym. And, uh, you know, it was, it was <laughs> so somehow or another, we got a demo together and we got it to D. Snyder. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it was really, really cool. So you know, he he took to us because we, uh, we had this great girl singer, uh, Rhonda Taglianti, and her sister, that's what the band was formed around. You know, she was a uh, she's a guitarist who actually went on to do a bunch of really big things with uh, um, with Dee later. Um, but anyway, he you know he he picked it up, sent us to his uh, uh, producer, and uh, I think I think we had Ron Delsner come down and see us, and really he's, he's yeah, it was really? crazy. <laughs> Ron Delsner from the right, Midnight was, Special, I, I it was right? Didn't he? I could be wrong, but it's it's a long time ago. But yeah, it okay. was it was it was pretty crazy. You know, we didn't. You know, we took it all for granted. We thought we were rock stars, and and anyway, we, we <laughs> he lost interest in us because I think uh, 
you know, we we just didn't we didn't have the maturity to do what he wanted. But we did we did get to open up for uh, Leslie West and Mountain back in high school, oh. which was really cool. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, that's was, huge! Pretty cool. I heard he's he's yeah. passed, but I heard he was a very nice, yeah. really good guy. Leslie yeah, West, I mean, yeah, yeah. And right. then, um, um, you know, after that, you know, high school was was uh, that was. You know the high school rock star days, and then you know reality comes, and uh, right. Anyway, you know I was in a few bands, and I joined this band, formed a band called uh, Final Cry. We have a few demos out. And then uh, that led into a band called Finally Balanced with uh, a poet Billy Capozzi, who I worked with. We worked with for mm, a number of years. We 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 did a bunch of stuff. We we released an album called Fondue uh, back in '98, and you can still actually get that on Bandcamp, mm. which is which is kind of cool. We just put that up there. Uh, I still actually play with uh, with with the guys. Unfortunately, Billy passed back in um, uh, 2012, but uh, me and the other guys we still play every now and then. Um, nice, nice. Yeah, and then then I released my solo album uh, in 2005. My first solo album called The First. And then, uh, and uh, leading on another 10 years, we're going to skip everything in between, I ended up playing okay. with a band called The Walkabout. Uh, and that's, uh, I think, started back in 2017. Those guys were formed. And uh, they invited me in to do some session work as a guitarist. And uh, I ended up singing some vocals. And then they invited me to play um their cd release so i ended up you know on two on two of their two of their albums and i have two songs uh on their 2020 album one is called hero and the other is uh um i am uh and okay that, i think it's actually getting some airplay because we're still on the record we're still on um the charts uh certain charts around, wow. <laughs> around the world they keep getting notifications so it, they have some sort of australia the walkabout sounds like an australian Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. Sully, Sully, the lead singer, he, cause Sully was doing the lead singer. I was lead guitar and, uh, he's, he's Australian. So that's, that's the cultural okay, connection. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Now you have, um, you have the, uh, Dave Christian project, right? Which is uh, foursome, threesome or. Had, well, what's... we're always, um, aspiring to be uh four piece, um, but sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, we, we can't do it or the venue doesn't call for it. So we do the three piece acoustic, which is, which is. Were those the guys who played with yeah. Ed Katie's during the WSB mm -hmm. thing? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was great. It had such like, uh, to me, it was like a great funky sound to it. Just had a great, you know, uh, riff to mm -hmm. things you were doing. It was just kind of unique. That's what kind of caught, caught, it, it really was upbeat for me. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Thanks. You know. <laughs> So it was real, real, really neat. So um, let's talk about this. So we did more than we mm -hmm. need. We did ordinary. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the song delusional, mm -hmm. and let's uh, then we'll let the audience listen to that, and then uh, we'll come back after the song. Tell me about delusional. I've been I've been called mm -hmm. that by the way, but uh, I'm not going to go into that right now. It gets me upset. <laughs> <laughs> so this this song this. This is, there's a few songs. There's maybe three songs in my life that came to me in a way. Like, this This actually did, did like, it, it came to me all in one string. Like, it was, yeah, it was okay. bizarre. Like, I, I was sitting there and it, 
we just started strumming this the simple three chord pattern and and just the words just came out in whole thoughts in line you know so so it actually it it came out as it was as it's performed now like every like yeah i didn't have to, really i didn't really i don't think i had to edit anything back but it came out in one one solid stream of consciousness it was uh it was bizarre that's a gift for a guy who's a perfectionist and on top of things to have it all flow <laughs> out that yeah. way <laughs> yeah it was it was like yeah. okay well the song is obviously a metaphor for life you know so the song is okay. the life <laughs> Let's have a listen to Delusional and uh, hang on to your seats. We'll be right back after it. What will they say when the song ends? Did it build all of the time? What will they say when the truth bends? Maybe the failure was mine Maybe it could have been better The verse could have been more profound Things that were said nearly moved me But the chorus kept getting me down And the part where he cried was a train wreck I would have done anything else What will be said about all of the things I've done Will they remember some of the good Then it came back from the mayhem Thinking it spoke from the soul Claiming to know where the truth lies Saying it's better we don't And then there's the build up Through the metaphor Hope for salvation From the inner war Interpretation Clearly delusional Lousy arrangement Clearly have to say about all of the life that we're living every God-given day I think my song could have been better could I had something to say maybe it's all I can hope for for you to remember this day with me standing here right in front of you sharing all my tears all the things I do playing the song I live and I give to you trying to rise above the leaves 
Hey, everybody. We're back after hearing Delusional, back with Dave Christian. And we had a sidebar uh, that we were talking about someone who played on one of your albums. So tell us sure. about it. Sure. Um, on the first, I had um, Buddy Buddy Cage, uh, the Buddy Cage. I, I had the great privilege to have him play on that record on, I, I think, four or five tunes. And uh just wanted to mention it because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a proud aspect i'm I'm proud of that (laughs) that i got to play with buddy cage so so for 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 those of us who don't know buddy cage maybe you can tell us a little bit about buddy and then we'll have a link about buddy as well i'm sure there's info on him in the sure his um um he he came up through uh uh the new writers of the purple sage and uh yeah yeah he actually taught um he actually taught jerry garcia from what i understand how to play the pedal steel like he was jerry garcia's teacher uh and um yeah, I, I oh, wow. he used to. We used to run into him at uh, festivals when I was playing. Uh, we finally balanced up in, um, you know, the Harvest Fest and all the Ro- Robbie Robinsons, um, Hemp Fest, and uh, and he would, you know, he would sit in with bands on the stage. So we got to know him through that because he had sit in with us almost every time we played up there. And uh, you know, I, I, I guess we exchanged numbers. And when I was doing the record, you know, I said I, I got to have Buddy Cage on this, and I asked him if he would do it, and he said absolutely. So, uh, you know, he came, came down to my house and we spent a Saturday afternoon recording, just, just recording tracks and tracks and tracks. And I think, uh, I have to go back and look, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we ended up using, um, his recordings, his, his, uh, cuts on like four or five different tunes on the record. Yeah. And if, if oh, anybody gets great. a chance, you should really check out, uh, my song for you because he just does this beautiful part on it. Okay. Yeah. Nice. That's yeah. excellent. That, I tell you, that points to the generosity of, of musicians in general, you know, without hesitation. It sounds like he said, yeah, yes, he did, yeah. You know, uh, which is, which is, which yeah. is great. So what do you, what projects do you have coming up? What's, what's in the, the, the short term future for you? David? Sure. So, um, you know, I've been working on, um, honing the band, uh, Dave Christian project for a few years, you know, went through a couple of member changes and now, you know, we, we currently have, uh, a nice lineup. I have uh, um, uh, Drew Bertrand on the drums, and he was he was actually the drummer and the producer for the Walkabout. Uh, and we we go back a long ways okay. too. We go back into the nineties. Uh, have common common friend groups, and we, we did a lot of jamming back then uh, as well. Uh, anyway, he he's you know he's playing with the Dave Christian Project as the drummer. Uh, I have uh, Henry Good on the bass um, and. Doug Lex on the keys, and uh, anyway, you know we we play as a full band whenever we can, and then when it calls for it, we do uh, the three piece acoustic like you you had seen us. And right. um, currently working on, um, well, a bunch of recordings. I mean, I, I I'm trying to do a song. I have 23 songs that have to get recorded, and. Uh, <laughs> so we're trying to take it a little, little bit, uh, piece by piece and, you know, trying to get as much done as possible. You know, it's, it's a time consuming endeavor and, uh, and a labor of love, obviously. So, yeah. Wonderful. Well, l- let me tell you, Dave, in the beginning of this episode, I promised my listeners that I would take them on a journey of discovery. And we really <laughs> did. I mean, I discovered things, you know, from D Snyder to, you know, all these different, um, people that 
were involved in your life, you know, over the, the, the many decades that you, you've been you've been playing. I really look forward to seeing you guys uh, playing live again because it was just kind of a magical night. It was just really kind of, to me, it was like, wow, this guy's good. <laughs> you know, Thank it's you, just Steve. That Appreciate simple. it. So, um, and, I, and I look forward to you banging these songs out and throwing <laughs> on a couple of albums, you know. Uh, when when you you get to it and and thanks for some sharing you know some of the intimacies of how you approach music and uh, I end my podcast a lot like this where um, you know we can account for the things we own mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, what we need and what we don't need <laughs> but we can't always account for how much time we have on this earth and the fact that you gave me you know a couple hours here uh, of time I really do appreciate yeah and, it. and you and me Steve yeah. appreciate uh, you, you know you having me on doing this this is great. Well, we're going to have you on again with the other project with Toby, mm-hmm. I hope. Uh, so I'm going to be twisting your arms to nail you down for that with Michelle. So we look forward to that. And, uh, and thanks, everybody. Until next time, we'll see you. Be well. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Until next time, be generous with your joy. Keep your spirits high and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. We really love to hear from you. And call our listener line at 631-800-3579. Again, thanks so much. Be well.